2 Corinthians 3.15. Paul is talking about the glory of the new covenant. And he, he starts riffing on Moses and how when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and met with God and he was in the presence of God he absorbed the Shekinah glory so that when he came down, he was glowing. And he actually put a veil over his face. And he said he didn't put the veil over his face because he wanted to hide that from the Israelites. He didn't want to discourage them because the glow was going to fade. Uh, but then Paul kind of has a thought, and he goes... Um, He goes, therefore, this is beginning in verse 12, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to present, prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, the, the glow off of his face. But their minds were made dull, for the, the, to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. So he's, he's, he's trying to understand, how could the people of the Covenant, how could the Jews not see Jesus? for who he is. How could they reject him? That just He didn't understand that. So he sees Moses with a veil over his face. He says, it's the same for them. And it's the same for us. You know, when you share your faith with people that are not believers and, 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 you, and they just look at you like they're waiting for you to change the subject. Because <laughs> they would really rather you talk about something else. And you wonder, why is that so? You know, why is that so? It's because there's a veil. They, they just don't see it. And if you push, it doesn't help. Because it's not like they're not seeing it, it's just there's a veil of face, they don't see it. Um, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Jesus takes that veil away, so that then we see the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are the truth of what the world is. Um, I, I told you that story. Um, I've got actually a couple of questions about my, my testimony last night. So, so I talked about my history in Capitol Hill, and I talked about coming to Capitol Hill as a married man, and then my marriage breaking up at Cornish. Okay, that marriage went away, and that woman went to uh, my former wife, and she went to uh, Ithaca, New York. So that was over. And then after the day of prayer and fasting, and then I, God revealed his grace, there was a new woman who was a student at acting school. She's the one who became a Christian and ended up becoming my wife. Okay. So I had a couple of people ask me, now, whose wife do you have? <laughs> so, anyway. But I said all that to reveal the fact that the family I have now, which is wonderful, has been a gift of grace. And that... Um, anyway, so, um, and, but when my wife, my wife, wife, uh, came to the Lord, what happened was she was in that apartment on 19th and Cherry, and the light streamed into the window, and it was the, the glory of God. And she saw it, she recognized it. Christ took away the veil, and suddenly she saw it, and she was astonished. 
but she cringed from it. Because when she was in the light, physically, suddenly she saw how full of sin she was. And she was aghast. 27 years old, never heard the gospel, didn't know anything about Jesus, had been raised where the only she knew about Jesus was from Christmas carols at the mall. That was it. And maybe Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, so it was kind of a mixed, confusing bunch. So she, and Rudolph, too. Let's not forget Rudolph. And thank God for Charlie Brown, right? Because really, that's the only real gospel we hear at Christmas in television. Anyway, but she, she, she came out of the light because she didn't want to see her sin exposed. But then she knew that that was the presence of God, and she was so attracted to God that she actually went into the light and then spent, she said about three or four hours just in confession and prayer. Crying and weeping and wailing, and just, I mean, she just said it was just gnashing the teeth. She's because she just, it was so clear to her. And that's what happens when God takes away the veil. And we enter into his presence because it shows the truth of who he is, and then we see the truth of who we are. But he's so attractive and he's so good. We just say, and, and also we realize that we're better than the nonsense that we've gotten involved in. So we, you know, hopefully are attracted to the light. Now, where the Lord is, uh, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, contemplate this light that he shines on us, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So he's beginning to talk a little bit of the Trinity here. So that with the Holy Spirit is God's presence. And that's also Jesus being in our midst. Jesus physically is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit is what actually comes and shines on us, and shines in our soul, reveals the glory of God, and begins to reveal these things in us um, that also are blocking us from God. And that's what we're talking about tonight, is just looking at, asking the Holy Spirit, saying, is there another thing that you can remove so that I can draw closer to you? And that's a big element of healing prayer, is asking the Lord to restore our souls. Because you were made to be precious stones through which the glory of God shines. He's building us into a temple. And one of the images is, that we see in the book of Revelation is this city that comes down where the walls are made of these various uh, levels of precious stone and the glory of God is in the midst of the city and it's shining through all of the world and uh, the lapis lazuli and the agate and all those stones. That's us. We're those precious stones. And so this is just taking imperfections, taking out places that are blocking. All right, so that's what we're talking about. So that from glory to glory, we'll be exposed more, we're exposing more and more the image of Christ in us. I've seen so much of that this weekend. I've been so encouraged by being with you all. I just really am so, you guys are so lucky to be pastoring the church that's this group. I mean, really. Now, maybe I'll get to know you better and I'll amend my opinion, but <laughs> so far, you guys, not too shabby. We're and, perfect, so. 
<laughs> and the dance party was fun too. All right, so the three R's. This is this is the technique. Okay, so these are very. This be, the first is recognize. The third is remove, and the third is replace. So, what it is is asking the Holy Spirit to shine His light on an area that is, needs to be dealt with, and that's to recognize. The first thing, and then the second is to um, ask the Lord to remove it. And there's different ways of doing that. And then, and here's the awesome thing, is to replace it with what is, what should have been there in the first place. Because you see, often what goes on in our lives that are out of whack, it's, it, could be a, it could be a secret to an area of potential fruitfulness. <coughs> so an area that you think I'm really struggling with, and this is, this is awful, and this is a problem with me and God, and me and holiness, and me and being a Christian, it could actually be a place where there's a calling. And as he removes and replaces it, there became, what was before a curse is now a blessing. What before was a deficit is now an asset. What before was something that you were ashamed of becomes an area of glory that God shines through. So we can approach these areas with confidence. Um, and not a sense of condemnation. That's another thing. Uh, the devil condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts. Condemning says, oh, you did that thing, so you're a dirty, rotten, blah, blah, blah. You know, you had too much alcohol. Oh, you're a drunk. You looked at porn. Oh, you're such a pervert. You know, you got scared. Oh, you're just such a mouse. You're such a wuss. You know, whatever it is. It takes that, you know, the, the, the sin and turns it into... A noun. That's what the devil does. The Holy Spirit says, you know, you gossip and you say, the Holy Spirit would go, you know, that wasn't very kind what you said. You know, you're better than this. That's your sister. That's your brother. Let's, let's, let's deal with Let's talk about this. Because that's, you should be blessing your brother or sister. You know, it's never a sense of condemnation. It's always, the, the, let's step up. Let's, let's step into your identity. Let's step into your destiny. All right. So the first is recognize. Um, different obstacles, one category are lies that we have believed. And there's a lot of lies out in the culture there. You know, God is not good. Or it could be personal. You will always be alone. Or um, I remember once a lie that I believed was my mother said to me when I was young, Jim, you'll never be a leader. You know, it was a lie. And I believed it. She's my mother. Later, and then I, when the Holy Spirit exposed that, I was able to say, no, that actually was a lie. I forgave my mother, and then uh, I stepped into the fact that I was a leader, and it was amazing the transformation that happened. But it was a lie that I believed. So what are those lies? It could be a curse that's been spoken over us. That, that one I actually said about my mother. It functioned as a curse. A curse can be, is anything that's spoken over us that is... Uh, a lie around our identity. Um, that something that is a false, and it could be it could be well-meaning too. I remember once uh, having to uh, break off the curse of being a Presbyterian pastor because there was a way in which people spoke it over me that felt like a, a, an ill-fitting suit. I felt like they were saying, "Oh, you're this," and I went, "Well, actually, I'm not that." 
and I had to, I actually had to break it off, even though a lot of the people were well-meaning. So what is it? And curses, and also if you get into spiritual warfare, there's actually formal curses that people can speak over you, um, which are other things that we can break. And, and the Lord can talk about that. I, living on the hill, we had a coven come after us. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I, you know, like people chanting in the parking lot, dressed in black at three in the morning. Yeah, I mean, like literal covens. You know, come, breaking into my house and putting cursed objects on pictures of my children on the mantelpiece. Yeah, that was bad. So, and I recognized those and broke them off. Um, could be wounds. It's very common. Things that, uh, and, and wounds come, f- and wounds often when we, uh, are, are things that we can then uh, be a place where we will um, accept a lie. You know, where we can have phobias because of something that happened to us once. Then we are just gun-shy to ever put ourselves at risk again in those situations. I knew one guy could, could never drive over bridges, you know, because of something that had caused him fear. It was irrational. But it, it had come with a wound in a car accident that he had had, you know, on a bridge. Now, prisoners and captives have to do with... Um, prisoners are when you do things, and this may not be probably with the wounds, but prisoners are when you do things and, and you suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Right? You cheat in your taxes, you get a bill. You, you get caught, you pay the bill. Right? You run the red light, and you're, or if it's more serious, you, know, you get put in jail. That's, those are the things that you do. But captives are when things are done to you. Your trust has been betrayed. You know, you've had someone wound you. You've had something unfair happen to you. So these are both things that need to be recognized because they can become, they can imprison us, either because of things we've done or things that are done to us. All right. Uh, so how do we remove these things? Um, with lies... You, you need to break agreement with the lies. You need to recognize the lie. I recognize, because I remember it was actually at a pastor's conference when um, I had a woman come up to me and actually give me a prophetic word. One of these Pentecostal things. She said, we, we were actually uh, hearing a sermon on blessing, and we had to go and then talk to another person. The pastor said, just go around and give someone a blessing. I said, okay, I'll go give someone a blessing. So I saw this woman. She, Look kind of mousy, kind of like Tina Fey, you know. And I said, God bless you, you're a daughter of the king. And she looked right at me and she goes, you're in a position of authority, but you're ambivalent. I'm like, what? (laughs) Went back to my seat and I thought, she's right. (laughs) After the blessing thing, I went back and I said, what? What was that? She goes, oh, I have a prophetic gift. She's from Canada. And she goes, I'm not saying all Canadians have prophetic gifts. I just thought it was funny. Anyway, I, I'm always surprised when I think of Canadians or Christians. It's like, really? You're a Christian? You're Canada? It's like Christians from Capitol. It's like what the cook said when they found out we were from Capitol Hill. Did you hear that tonight? No. The church from Capitol Hill? <laughs> the cook said, uh, the guy said, he said, Capitol Hill? <laughs> I said, what, you, what's the, what is it? She said, I have a prophetic gift, and God showed that to me. And I said, well, you were right. And so 
Um, what I did is that I realized it was a lie that was spoken over me. I had to break agreement with it. I had to the lie was exposed. I said no, that was a lie, and I break agreement with it in the name of Jesus. No. So you break agreement with a lie. Um, breaking curses is is the same thing. Um, uh, it's uh, and and. It, it could be cursed objects and formal curses. I mean, when we, we were digging up fetishes that were buried in the parking lot, what you do is see, and I've had people at outreach, I had a guy at an outreach event begin cursing objects and leaving them around for people to pick up. Uh, you, just, you just pick it up and say, you know, I break the curse in the name of Jesus. And I nullify and void any curse spoken over this object. Break it. That's another the whole teaching in terms of spiritual warfare, but you can break curses because curses can come on us and um, if we accept them, they can uh, be a block between us and God. Forgiveness. If there's a broken relationship because of someone who has hurt you, um, you know, if you're a captive because you have been victimized, uh, forgiveness breaks that, that victim identity and it actually empowers you to be the person who's now in a position to uh, forgive that other person. It, ch- it flips the power dynamic. Suddenly the victim is now the person who is um, in the position of authority. Because with reconciliation, reconciliation can only be initiated by the person who's been hurt. Not by the person who did the hurting. They have to wait. So it's, forgiveness is a way of not only restoring relationships, um, it also frees you from being the victim. It frees you from the person that oppressed you and hurt you. Um, repentance is if there is an open door to sin. You know, if you've been doing something that you know is sinful, you've been doing it anyway... Just, it's just as simple as that. But God exposes it and goes, you know, this has been an issue. So that's removing it. And then the third R is replace. So if, if it has been a lie that you believe, then what you do is ask the Holy Spirit, well, what's the truth? What, what, what is it that is the, because you need to replace the lie. Um, so for me, um, with the thing about authority, you know, you should not leave. I said, no. The truth is, is that God has has put me in a position of authority, and, and He is, and I've been approved by my church and by my denomination. I mean, I've been given a stamp, and they wanted me to leave. So um, I, uh, I, I I I spoke it out, and I said, yes, I am a leader. And then I began to pray with authority, uh, also uh, authority over the neighborhood too. Because as a pastor in Capitol Hill, I began speaking, I began intercessing with authority over the neighborhood. Not kind of, you know, oh, please help. It's like, no, in the name of Jesus, devil, stop it. You know, you've been messing around, and people have been letting you mess around. That, that, that ends. No. Just like a way a mama bear would over, if someone was trying to come after her kids, it's like, no, stop it. Or you can say the same thing to a disobedient kid. <laughs> no. Um, <coughs> I once had a 
getting into a lot of woolly stuff, but I think you guys can handle it. I had a demon inside of me that was talking to me. Uh, it was the first time when I was first getting into this, and I remember um, I felt the Lord saying, you need to, it's time for it to go. And I said, okay, you're going to go. And this voice inside of me said, I've always been here, and I will always be here. And I said, you know what? No. <laughs> That's a lie. It's like, how do you know if the devil's speaking? How do you know if the devil's lying? Right? His lips are moving. It's, it's the old used car salesman joke. How do you know if a used car salesman lying? <laughs> how do you know? You know, so, no. And the truth is, you're a fallen foe. And the truth is, your time is passing. And the truth is, Jesus made a public spectacle of you on the cross. And now, your time is over. That's part of the good news, is just letting people know that Jesus is Lord and these other forces are not. The truth is replacing the lie. There we go. Uh, and blessings um, replacing the curse. You know, it's interesting that some, some families can have, all, there's all kinds of curses that, that we inherit, as well as blessings in our family line. And a lot of what this is doing is trying to clean up the family line so that we will have more blessings to pass on to our kids. I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of curses. Curses of alcoholism or, uh, or curses of unemployment or curses of unbelief. That's an actual curse, you know, which uh, you can have, if you have Masonic background, I mean, they actually take on active curses in their ceremonies as they're binding themselves to Satan in these rituals that for the most part they don't understand what they're doing but that's also part and parcel of something being done demonic is that there's a great deal of uh, deception you know or the curse of abortion on our country that somehow that is, that's women's rights that that's somehow empowering for a woman to be able to kill the child of a woman that's a terrible curse on our country and it's based upon a, de a demonic deception where the lies are believed. But there are blessings that are that the curse is blocking, and when the curse is removed, you can. It's not just filling a hole. It's suddenly finding this. It becomes a source of goodness, a source of strength, a source of the coming kingdom. Again, up oh, there it is. It's just really helping me be patient, right? Thank you. Um, healing replaces the wound. It's amazing how Jesus heals our restored souls. <laughs> There's our illustration right there. Can you cry out for a heavenly Father and help me? <laughs> Uh, I, I remember. Um, I mean, this it's one of the most amazing things in healing prayer is when the Holy Spirit comes in and and brings healing. You know, that's why we always have Kleenex when we do healing prayer sessions. Because suddenly you'll be talking and talking and talking, and all of a sudden, you know, I don't want to cry. But what's happening? 
means that the Holy Spirit is coming in and healing. You know, because the Holy Spirit is coming in and healing our hearts. And that is amazing. You know, um, and that's, that's one of my, one of the things that I, I look for in healing prayers is, is tears. Because they're often, the, you know, the sign that, that that's, that's the owie right there. And, and, and when the, the, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and brings that healing and heals the wound. And the soul is restored. And suddenly the thing before where you were limping around and you're going around with a, with a light, low-grade fever suddenly is gone. <sighs> what a relief. I, I know um, I, 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 the, the reason I make a big deal of this is that I, I've experienced so much of it myself. I've, um, I've had, I had one particular experience when the Holy Spirit, um, where it was, uh, it, it was this, it really was a uh, experience of abandonment as a child. And, and my parents never left, but it was because of my experience of my parents uh, early on left me feeling crushed and abandoned. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, he was gone all the time. My mom was freaking out and unpredictable and wasn't safe. And, um, and I, I was in this little core group where we were praying for each other and, and they kept saying we need to let it out, let it out and I said there's nothing to let out, my soul is dead and I really realized that and the Lord let me know that it happened back when I was three and uh, I said I don't know what to do with this I just, you know, it's not like I've got anything I need to release it's just I'm dead and then that night we had prayers of empowerment in this event. And uh, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm not crying. <laughs> I, was, I was weeping. The leader came up, you okay? No, I don't know. I am okay. I don't know. Going on and on and on. She's like, okay, we'll just give him a little space. Somebody get this guy some Kleenex. And what it felt like, I don't know if you've ever seen these cartoons where someone gets run over by a steamroller, right? And they're all flat, flat standing on the, on the ground. And then all of a sudden they start to, you know, someone will stick a hose to them, start going, <laughs> and they start blowing up and blowing. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like the Holy Spirit had this hose, and he was pumping into my soul, and the dead soul was reinflating and coming back to life. And the tears was the fact that I now had something alive that before had been dead. That was the, the change was so profound. I, I I had to learn how to live all over again. I, you know, I, I I had a hard time sharing it with my wife because it was so you know because it's always difficult in a relationship when the, the spouse changes a lot because it's like I thought you were this person now you're a different person. You know. When was that? Uh, it was September of 2012. That wasn't that long ago. I mean, I was a grown-up pastor, kid. I mean, with kids. Um, and I had other experiences, but this was so profound. And I've had other people. I've had other people do that. I remember once I had a, 
There's actually another member of this group. We were. Um, she had real trouble with her gender because her dad had wanted a boy, and actually named her Jasona, which is a feminine form of Jason. And she she sort of had kind of a hard manish look to her, not very soft, not very. That's kind of hard to describe. Not that men are hard, you know, whatever manish I did. But it was, there was something there, you could see it. And uh, we actually took her all the way back to the womb, and she was in the womb, in her imagination, and, uh, and she said, I feel abandoned. I'm there, and this is, and I go, wow, that's your mother's womb. But what had happened is that her dad had spoken these curses over her about, you know, it better be a boy, because if you have another girl, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she is a, in the womb had experienced that, had felt that, and had absorbed that. And so um, the Lord brought Psalm 139 to mind, and I began speaking, you know, fearfully, wonderfully made, and I woven you in the depths of the earth. You know, all the days planned for you were laid out before one came to be. And she starts weeping, and she goes, my womb is, she says, I'm in my mother's womb, and suddenly all these flowers are starting to bud around me. She says, now I'm, I'm surrounded with flowers. And, she, and suddenly this place of barrenness became this place of beauty. And she realized that she was created as a woman because God had created her very intentionally as a woman, and that was a wonderful thing. And there was this whole change and transformation where suddenly she was going, I was meant to be a woman, and that's good. And you could just see the way she, this sort of relief came and with tears, and, and suddenly she, it's like she emerged where you could see her. And it came because of healing that replaced the wound. I'm guessing there's another one here. There we go. <laughs> I knew there was more. And holiness replacing the sin. These places that are parts of shame that, you know, get stuck in in terms of sin. Uh, there's, a, there's a different way of living that God wishes for us to live, which is um, holiness. I think the best definition for holiness I've ever heard as an attribute of God is that holiness is... God holding all these various attributes of omniscience and omnipresence and, and goodness all in perfect harmony. And it's just like when you see something that's holy, it's not that it's, but it's like, oh, that's just right, that painting, that's perfect. You know, and you would also say beauty because there's something that when something is, is completely itself in a way where every part is where it should be, there's something beautiful about that whether it's a person or an animal or a landscape or whatever. And I think it's, it's sin is always doing something that's out of whack with our character and who we truly are. So that when that's replaced with the way that God intended that area of our life to work, it becomes holy because you go, oh yeah, that's the way it's supposed to function. You know, that's what food is for. <laughs> you know, that's what anger is for. That's what sex is for. That's what work is for. That's what... You know, all these things, you know, that's what recreation is for. So, uh, we're going to break any groups. Um, and what I want you to do is just, 
just break into twos and uh, ask the Holy Spirit, say, is there some specific obstacle that you wish to reveal you know, in terms of, you know, right now, tonight? Is there something? Could be big, could be little, could, you know, who knows? But ask the Holy Spirit just to shine the light of God. The Spirit that searches the deep things of God searches our hearts. And just say, is there something? You could know, boom, right off the bat, I know what it is. Um, or it could be, I'm going to need some time. And don't gin it up. You know, yes? Yeah, that's a question. Just to go back, you had mentioned that the demon was in you. So do you mean like when Jesus said to Peter, Satan, get behind me? That type of scenario where you were actually inhabited by one? Because I thought all the, you know, teachings I received was that believers cannot be inhabited. So I wasn't possessed by a demon. I had an, a demon attached to me off to one side. Like, remember the guy in Mark chapter 1 who cried out in the middle of the synagogue? You know, there was a demon in him. More like that. Um, or, uh, so I wasn't possessed. But there was an area of my life that was unredeemed. It had some garbage in it where there it had some demonic attachment. That's a whole other teaching. It's not possession because if you come to Jesus your Holy Spirit now is <coughs> brings your spirit from death to life and now the Holy Spirit is in your life. You can't be possessed. Mm -hmm. But we can have demons which will actually attach themselves to us. Kind of like a, like a virus in a computer uh, and they can be removed. We can talk about this too, because uh, it's part of a whole other teaching, um, and it's uh, it was something I didn't understand until it actually happened to me, and then I began seeing it and began ministering so to other people. Was it unconfessed sin or something you brought in your house, like a Bible or something like that? The 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 particular that I was talking about actually ended up being a generational curse okay. that God told me had come down. And I think it had something to do with some Masonic involvement in my grandfather. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. This was one of the Yeah. Uh, and, and there was tremendous relief when it was gone. Mm -hmm. And I remember later reflecting, I had never been given words to describe something I had struggled with my entire life. Uh, and now it was gone. Mm -hmm. anyway. mm -hmm. um, Jesus was my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And I was following Jesus, but I had a limp. <laughs> I had this critter. Um, so just specific obstacles for intimacy with God, you know. And we're talking about, is there a lie we believe? Is there a curse spoken over us? Is there a wound that needs to be uh, open doors to sin? And, and part of this, you know what I don't have in here too? It could be like what Dallas said, is there a relationship where there needs to be forgiveness? You know, that's, that's kind of part of this. That's a big part of what goes on. The Lord's saying, look, you need to talk to your dad, you need to talk to your brother, or whoever it is. You know, and that's, that's, that's how the Lord wants to do. And then ask for the Holy Spirit to expose the root. Uh, and that's, these are, these are really roots is what we're talking about. Um, you know, I'm having trouble with pride, I'm having trouble with overeating, I'm having trouble with whatever that issue is, you know, that's keeping me from God. Um, and then, and then, you see these things kind of go together. If there's a lie, then um, the truth should replace the lie. So you just say, "I just, I just break agreement." I, I shouldn't say truth replaces lie. It could be, it should be break 
break agreement with a lie, and then here you replace it with the Lord saying, what is the truth? Or if there's been a curse spoken over us, like if, if we more brings to mind a word that's just spoken over us and we believe it's not true, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, you're failure, whatever, so no, that's not true. Um, then, oh, you know what? <laughs> I did that wrong. Because <laughs> 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 you break the curse, I need to fix this. And then... Uh, for the wounds, you, you, that's where you ask forgiveness. And then the open doors of sin, that's where you, uh, uh, it's repentance. So this is wrong. Oops. Okay. Um, and we'll do that. Just touching on one thing that, that Keisha said, you mentioned yours was a generational curse. Yeah. But there, there could be some kind of demonization being part of that, that block. So it's, yeah. Yeah, and I don't expect us to get into deliverance ministry tonight. Now, if something happens where you feel like you need help and in and, and the group, you feel like there's something going on and you need help, then raise your hand, and there's a couple of us that can come over and do some prayer. We have some people here that are, can do some, like Matt, me. You're on point. Are you ready? You can be able to do some ministry. We can do some special prayer. So there's, there's ways of dealing with it. If you feel like you're getting in over your head or something's going on, we feel like oh, this, I need to back up. Just put your hand up. But what this is doing a lot is just repo- removing a lot of garbage. Mm-hmm. Think of it as just taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit say, hey, you know, you've got this trash thing over here. And it's funny how I'll do it. I remember uh, five years ago uh, I was in a time of ministry and the Lord took down a trunk from the attic and it was all full of stuff that had that I had done in college. And it was like my night to go back through my college career. And I had a whole trunk full of stuff I needed to confess. And I'd forgotten about it. And it happened three weeks before my college reunion. And actually prepared me to go to college and then be a witness. Because my college days, my bright college years, had been spent doing all kinds of things that I needed repentance of. So that would be an example of, you know, some garbage Okay. Uh, we'll just spend about 25 minutes doing this, 20-25 minutes. That's not good? All right. And then after that, uh, we'll get the kids, we'll have a time of worship, and then we're going to have some communion and also some prayers for blessings. So that'll be some other stuff to kind of seal this. But right now we're